land Let my people go Oppressed so hard they could not stand Let my people go So the Lord said go down Go down Moses Moses Way, way down, down in Egypt land Tell old Pharaohs to let my people go Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live on the land of Israel network. From Jerusalem to the world, you're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome to Rabbi Mike Foyer. Shalom! Oh, shalom, Ishai. It's great to see you. It's great to have you back in the show in our life. Uh, you were out in England, merry old England. Merry old, chilly old England. Yes. Although yes. I have to admit, I didn't leave the hotel for five days, except when I saw it was snowing, I stepped out the door for two minutes just to enjoy it. Did you stay in the hotel where the conference was at? Indeed, I did. Because I, I didn't. I stayed in the one across the pond. Well, this was a luxury trip for me. They invited me. They put me up. They paid for my plane ticket. All I had to do was teach. It's That's like right. a, the glory days. No, I, I had a similar package, but I was in the hotel across the pond. Oh. So I had to be one of those walkers, but it was really great. I actually enjoyed that. It was beautiful. In Birmingham, you did a great job. I heard a lot of reports that, that there was a lot of fun out there. Thank God. Well received. Very good. Very good. Limwood, Mission good, accomplished. Good for them for uh, for having uh, the good folks over yourself. Eve Harrow. Arya King was there, That's Ashley right. Perry. You know, you should know, I don't know if you've told you, she told me when I asked her how her second session went. She said, well, if I should ever have to stand in front of a firing squad, now at least I know I can do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny because I, I was able to, I, I actually like didn't feel the firing squad at all. I kind of like, I kind of like got out of that, that pretzel and was just, I just didn't feel it all. There was no like, even though there was a lot of people and my favorite thing that happened last year at Lima for me was a guy, a guy takes me, there's like this drink session at the evenings and the guy comes up to me, he goes, can I buy you a drink? I'm like, okay. He goes, I hated everything you said. But you were brilliant. It's <laughs> <That's> so British. <laughs> yeah, it's so brilliant. I was like, "Thank you." I guess. Anyway, it was it was really good times, and and it's good to see so many Jews getting together for the sake of learning and and, and growing it's together. Amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful, and it's a lot of volunteerism. Listen, um, we we're in a transition zone here in the world. That's for sure. Okay, the Trump presidency. Whatever you think of President Trump per se as an individual, there's no question that there's a, the the. Uh, uh, what is it, what is it called? The Muttle Wolf used to say, "You you kick a dent in in the world" or something like that. Or or how do they say it? Uh, you know, do you you the, you, the the clock move or you you, you made a you made a, a change. You made your mark. Yeah, the, what's what's the actual work? In I don't do? know what you're after here. You know, uh, you're trying to make a change in the world a little bit. Sure. There's a word. There's there's a word. And and some some enterprising listener will send it to me correctly. Uh, in any case, the world is, is having some turns right now. Things are uh, happening. Things are happening. And I want to start the show today by uh, saying hi to the people of Iran. Right, so the people of Iran right now are in the streets, and they are fighting a completely tenacious and no-holds-barred regime. More power to them. Right. More power to them. To the people. To the people. Power right. to the people. Because yeah. the regime has no... Um, oh, there's no shame or mercy. Right, There's no. St- they they have nothing. No holds barred. If a person has any doubts, all they need to do is look back at the history of the Iran Iraq War, where they would literally use you know um, their own citizens dressed in white, ready to go to heaven to demine fields by children, walking out children, upon them. Children, especially children. That was Ahmadinejad was in was in charge of that unit. He would wrap kids in mattresses so that the next kids. That see like a blowing up friend of theirs don't get too upset when they when they when they yeah. would. That's what Ahmadinejad was in charge of. Oh, yeah, he found his calling. Bad dude, bad dude. Um, and right now they're they're out there uh, rejecting uh, this regime. In part, by the way, I also saw pictures of a lot of people protesting for the regime. So it's not exactly clear what's happening out there, but there's a lot of people protesting against the regime, and they're risking their life. No question about it. They're risking their life. They're risking their future. No doubt about it. We saw what happened, by the way, in Turkey. When 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 uh, when uh, when uh, Erdogan wants to crack down on people, forty thousand people get arrested. Like, That's no right. problem. And lots of them just disappear. Right. So so these guys, uh, uh, they they really don't have any moral qualms about doing anything. And uh, and and for us, of course, geostrategically here in Israel, the toppling of the hopeful toppling of of the Iranian regime would mean a tremendous change because they're the number one enemy right now. No question, no question. about that. No question about that. Uh, so I wanted to kind of start the show by saying, hey, you know, we're, we're with you out here. And, and yes, we're going to pray to the God of Israel to help 
you uh, when you know throw off the regime of evil. Well, listen, we're starting the book of redemption, right? the book of Shemot of Exodus, and there couldn't be a better time for people to be struggling for its freedom. Right. Okay, uh, so we, we're starting a new book. We said chazak chazak v'nit chazak, or not chazak v'nit chazek. Uh, at the, at it's the an argument between the guy who reads the Torah and the rest of my congregation in my shul. Why? What the, he says... He says chazak chazak v'nit chazak, right. which is apparently grammatically correct. Right, which means, in any case, whatever it means is uh, from strength to strength. Uh, strength, strong, 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 strength in yourselves. Right, like, like, okay, but that's just a weird way to end a, a book of the Bible. I love it. It's one of my favorite moments of, of, <laughs> of the entire sort of pageant of being in school. We all shout out, yeah, we did it, move on. We love, we love, we love those things. We love the, those, uh, you know, the bang at the moon, the, uh, the those, those weird pageantry things that we do. Those are awesome moments. You told them about the bang of the moon? Uh, and, and you stand up in shul and you, everybody says chazak. And it gives you kind of a, a thing, but it's also like a, like a, there's an end chapter. We just finished the end of Bereshit. It just flew past us. All those great questions of of Abraham, you know, asking, will he have uh, a future? Will will there be a, a continuation of his seed? Uh, Isaac struggling with the Philistines. Jacob with the dream of the ladder, struggling with his brother. Uh, the whole wives thing and having children. The whole Joseph issue. Joseph going down to Egypt. The rapprochement between him and the brothers, uh, and and that all suddenly ends uh, in in last week's Torah portion, Vayechi, um, and and the memory of the forefathers gets locked away in this kind of I don't mean locked away I mean to say locked, locked in, in locked in and we're gonna actually see the forefathers they do make appearances in this week's Torah portion Absolutely. in terms of their memory of the promises. Well, that it, God it, made. It, we're looking at the transformation from uh, from a family to a people, and in many ways, a family you can always trace genetically, meaning in theory or at least by marriage, right? What's a people? You know, the word for people in Hebrew is am, which is identical except in its pronunciation for the word with the word im, which means with, and in, and that's really the Torah's definition of people. It's, it's the people you can imagine being with. And what holds us together more than our sense that we share the stories of our forefathers. I was just in the mall across the street here, the Hadar Mall. By the way, there's the, the, intro, the word for mall in Hebrew is kinyon, from the word knia, but it's also like a canyon, a canyon of shopping. Yes. Canyon of shopping where you just get stuff. Right. And, and I want to tell you something. A lot of religious people uh, in, in this mall. Sure. And... There was just that feeling that you described just now. I was like, "Im, this is my am. Yes. I'm im my am. Yes. And if you think about it, that's what allows us to go. I mean, thank God the Jewish people are returning from our dispersion, but that's what's allowed us for most of history to go to such far-flung places. People who may not look like us, may not share our language, but there's something in which we are together. And really, more than anything else, it's the stories of our ancestors. So, so... The the thing about the ancestors is that they were kind of loud and proud. You, you knew about them. It was Abraham, you're a prince of God amongst us. Isaac, you know, you have become wealthier than us, wealthier than us. leave. Everybody knows who you are. You know, Jacob uh, in the land and the, the nations are afraid of him in the land as he's traveling. Okay, now this noble people is going to be sublimated into this host culture, which is going to start to reject them. And... And we suddenly are going to meet a new type of feeling in the Bible, which is the underground. Mm-hmm. Moses is born underground. You yes. know, he's born as a, a, a the whole the whole beginning of the story is the the birth of, you know, this hidden birth that's being hidden away and 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 kept away, and and then he's sent off on this you know watery potentially you know death uh, finality for Moses. He's picked up by this house of, of, of Pharaoh and and then he's saved again by because he's going to be fed by the Jewish nursemaid, which happens to be his mother. But it doesn't start out with that prideful, famous nobility. So much so that there are that all the names are missing, right? The beginning of, of Moses, the great redeemer, the the one who brought the Torah down to us from God, begins with a nameless man of the tribe of Levi who takes a nameless woman from the tribe of Levi who has a child who remains nameless. He ultimately only gets his name from the daughter of power herself. Right. Right. The underground image is very strong here because what happens in the end is that the, that the Jewish people, or not Jewish people at this point, Am Yisrael, right? Am Yisrael bursts forth through, I would say underground, but it's also in the womb. 
Right? There's a process of, of um, a gestation of a people that's happening here, which is far greater, actually, than just the simple family lives of the forefathers. And, and Moses is, not only is he in this kind of womb and he comes out, uh, but then we, we you, know, you know, if you watch the movies about, uh, about Moses, uh, you know, the cartoons and all that, they, they do a, a fair amount of him growing up, both the Ten Commandments and Prince of Egypt, do a fair amount of him growing up in the house of Pharaoh and becoming a prince of right. Egypt. Right. The Torah does not. Nope. It, just it takes just, it for granted. He grew up, his first concern was what's happening with his people out in the fields. Right. Like, he knows somehow that, uh, that he is a Hebrew. He's related to them, and he goes out there. So, so wh- where's the discrepancy between what we've been kind of told and, and the reality of, uh, of, of how the Bible tells it? Or, or another way of saying it is, like, why did the Bible, why did the Torah skip so much? Well, I, I mean, I could see it in a number of ways. The first thing that came up for me when you pointed it out is that part of it is just the sim- simply the vastly different cultural lens of the Torah and, and Western society that produced those movies. Western society operates on the assumption that everybody is intrinsically like everybody else. So therefore, what they want to do is humanize Moshe and make him just like the Egyptians. And in that, there is actually quite a powerful, and the Prince of Egypt has a very powerful emotional and moral um, struggle embedded in this sense that Moshe is truly the brother of Pharaoh. But the Torah, especially in the book of, of Shemot and Exodus, is trying to explain to the world that the Jewish people are not like everybody else. That Am Yisrael is actually uh, a vehicle for a divine finger in history, which sets us apart from the Egyptian nations. Therefore, I think the Torah has no incentive whatsoever, although it does give us a little bit of a hint. Gives us a little bit of a hint when, when Moshe, not to skip too much forward in the story, right, he grows up, he goes out, he sees his brothers, and I'm sure we'll come back to that scene. Ultimately, things go poorly and he has to run away. And he finds himself by a well where the daughters of the priest of Midian identify him as who? Uh, uh, an Egyptian. An Egyptian. So right. we see this, that he, he walked like an Egyptian. He dressed like an Egyptian. Perhaps he even spoke like an Egyptian. So it's a good hint that the Hollywood um, perspective is not off base. It's just not the concern of the Torah. Okay, Rabbi Mike, don't jump the gun yet. We're not, we're not there. At, uh, at, we're almost there. We're almost right. there. One thing with, that we skipped over is also that... Uh, the the Egyptians kind of changed their mind about these about the Jews. Something happened. Something happened. Um, it could be that Joseph had created this society, which is economically unequal. Uh, that a lot he of did uh, introduce slavery into Egypt. Slavery into Egypt, and on the other hand, his family, the family of Israel, was supported by the state somehow. Could be that there was an unpleasant political situation. Um, could it, be historically speaking that there was actually a change between um, what were known as the Hyksos, the shepherd kings that had, had invaded Egypt. And what we're seeing in the background here is this sort of revolution of the Egyptian people throwing off what they perceived to be foreign invaders. Right. And the Jews, or the, sorry, the Israelites, the family of Israel, getting swept up in that. Right. And the Hyksos were like Canaanites, and they were like Yeah, more, they, were, more they were large nomadic shepherd peoples. I mean, in that subtext that we see several times at the end of, of Genesis where, where Yosef says, well, don't tell them you're shepherds. They don't like shepherds. Don't right. tell them you're shepherds. As much as we have a sort of theological perspective that the Egyptians worship sheep, it might be that the historical perspective is it's bad news. They've got a bad, we've got a bad name around here. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But either way, there arises a pharaoh who didn't know right. Joseph. And, and there's also the introduction of this infanticide. Yes. This killing of the Jewish male babies. Not just the Jewish male babies. And the, at least on one day, all male babies. Don't forget when, when Paro says... That you know that every male should be thrown into the river. It's very clear that means every male in that one day, because the the astronomers and the magicians had told him on this day the redeemer of Israel will be born, and that he will be punished in water. And so that was the announcement: everybody, everybody into the river. It also says that the Jewish people uh, were, uh, were the land was filled up with them. Have you ever tried to do the math of going from seventy to six hundred thousand men? You can do it if you end up having six children at once, which, as of course, the right. the, the sages teach us. Right. But it's it's, a, it's a astoundingly rapid population growth, which, by the way, the Jewish people have seen at other times of our That's history. That's right. That's right. In fact, uh, one of the, f- the the most astounding population growths, historically speaking, is the DP camps right after the Holocaust. Now, if I was a Holocaust survivor, I'd think to myself. Forget no it. Way. It's over. This world is dark. I don't want any part of it. Well, having children is the ultimate assertion of optimism. Right. 
or complete madness. My my, gr- my my wife's father was born in a DP camp yeah. in one of these shotgun type weddings. You know, let's it's like not shotgun. Like like let's do this. Let's get married. Let's get right. married and have babies. Shotgun wedding means that somebody else is saying you're going to marry my daughter. Yeah, no, I meant <laughs> to say in that case uh, a rapid fire wedding. Yes, okay. perhaps was what you were searching for. Yes, I won't, you know, I won't, a quick, a quick, I won't tell Malga. Okay, a quick wedding. Uh, and and that's what what happened there. By the way, in, in the Torah, there's only one other place that it says v'temaleh haaretz. There's v'temaleh haaretz otam, which we mm-hmm. learn here, and v'temaleh haaretz Hamas. Okay. And basically, it's like it's either us or Hamas in this land. That's, it's that's, crazy that's, that's how you can read the Torah in that light, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. In any case, uh, so we 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 hear of the birth of of Moses again. He's underground, and yet he's kind of the 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 Medrash says the, the room like fills up with light. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a, there's a there's a I, I said this I was kids got to glow I gave some uh, some talk somewhere and I'm like and 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 we're gonna deal with the birth of Moses the first Mashiach I said and people just looked at me like you know like like that was like an uncomfortable thing to say but like this is this is a Messiah figure true although I mean you remember that in Hebrew Mashiach means anointed, anointed. so he's really the first redeemer which right. is what you meant Goel right the first Goel in Hebrew right. but I, I know what you mean and you are correct in that sense and it's very important to remember that for Am Yisrael the Mashiach is not a, a magical mystical divine being Mashiach is at least if we adhere to the Rambam which I personally do a political leader who is going to help us achieve our goals in this world right now he is going to get a quick lesson also about if you're going to be a redeemer <laughs> you better be ready for the people that you're redeeming <laughs> not so easy you can if you if you folks want you know you know you got an inside view into moses's first political uh experience with the jewish people you know f- first uh baptism by fire that's right first first day he rescues a jew from from being uh bludgeoned to death or whipped to death by a by by a Egyptian tax, tax master. master next day Two Jews are fighting, and he's like, brothers, well, why do you fight amongst yourselves? We need to be united. And they say, who are you? Yeah, who are you? Who, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did the dude yesterday? Oops. Oh, man. The, Secret's the, out. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's been, there's, there's no more underground here. Uh, the, you know, there's talking has been, uh, it's been talked about. Interestingly enough, we saw uh, at that previous verse, uh, he looked to see that there are no people looking. Right. And he slew the Egyptian taskmaster, but there were people looking. Some people say that it may be very much the the the, the person that he saved, the dude that he saved from might the Egyptian, have indeed ratted on him. Ratted him, ratted him out. Other, but another explanation is A person should look, and he saw that there was no man, there's no person like him to be responsible for the situation. That's right. So we have to take responsibility. Sometimes you have to look around and say, look, I'm the responsible person. Sure, I don't want to do it because I want to be lazy, but I'm the responsible person, so I have to do it. That is indeed the hallmark of what makes Moshe great. We see it not only in this moment when he, he could have easily, he's a prince of Egypt. He could have just simply turned away. People, Jews are getting beaten every day in the field. In the same way, when he's on the run, hiding from the Egyptians, when he goes and finds himself at some safe moment by the well, and, and the shepherds begin to harass these young women that he sees come, what does he do? He should keep to himself. He's a stranger. He doesn't know the lay of the land. And this is the last thing he does. He says, you can't, you can't oppress these women. That's and right. he immediately intervenes. That's right. And, and these are women. These are weaker elements in that society. He doesn't know the norms of society. He doesn't even know if they're right or wrong. Correct. He doesn't know if they're the owners of that well or not. Right. But he stands, and he's in a totally weak position. I would have aligned myself with the strong people, right? Or at least kept your mouth shut. Right. But he immediately stands up, and that's when God says, you're the one. You are the one. You have a, both a, a personal, a, a, a particular, and a universal approach. Yes. He's got, both a, he's got both of those. And like you said, you're not a bystander. Right. You're not. That's it. He looked around. There's no other Nobody person. Else. I got I to do it. Um, and yet, though, right, if, if, if this was Hollywood, it would have been like, okay, you know, you, this is the, the, the training music is on, you know, he's like born, Rocky, right? He's born in a, in a questionable situation and, you know, and he rises up and he gets tough doom, and doom, doom, doom. right. And he's like, he's I'm feeling out there, excited, right? And, and he's, and he's, and he's killing an Egyptian and he's running away and he's dealing with the, with the tricky Jews and, and he runs away and he stands up for the women and he gets placed in this in this awesome family. I think here Prince of Egypt does do a good job at giving you a sense of who uh Jethro Yitro is, this kind of jolly 
you know, uh, figure who, who one has, time pagan, right? <laughs> one time super pagan, super right? Pagan, right? Super number one pagan, but like like pagan warrior, and uh, and then and then finally, um, God's like, this is my man, and and here's the mission. Should you choose to accept it, right? Here it is, and and God is going to show up to Moshe Rabbeinu in this burning bush. In my opinion, by the way, the the pre What's it called? Not pre uh, the the prefiguring. The, yeah, the pre predecessor to the menorah, mm. right? He shows him the menorah. He shows him this everlasting menorah, which we're going to learn also about in the book of Zechariah. It's this everlasting, non-stopping menorah. The first one, the light of the world, is this is the snebuer, this burning bush, <clears throat> and it's like, dude, I need you to go down and let my people go, right? And it's like, no. No thanks. Moses answers Ask somebody else. Right. I I really ah Ooh, with the sheep and I don't want to do it. There's better people. There's better talkers out there. There's better people out there. And 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 there is the Medra says that seven days of negotiations. Yes. To the point that God is going to be frustrated with 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 Moshe Rabbeinu. And and here's like you know is this the um, Platonic philosopher that that has to be kind of forced to lead the people is this this kind of like like uh, like okay you know like g-d is talking to you you know and he's telling you go do this thing what is this moses character that he reneges and gives a hard time to 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 the lord of hosts when it's time to do the bidding uh to me what i'm picturing is um oh he's a vessel he is a vessel for redemption first. Because he does say Hineni, right? The sna- he, sa- he says Hineni. He says, I am here. I'm here. I'm ready. Right? And not only that, but he notices the bush. Right? One of the things I've been taught by my teachers is that, that the turning point is when Moshe notices the bush. You can see it in the verse there. It says that and when God saw that he turned aside to see the bush, that's when God called out to him. So um, one can imagine that that bush has actually been there since the six days of creation. And no one has seen it. In the same way, like when Moshe looked here and there and saw that there's nobody else who can take care of this situation, he, he he's not going to ignore things that fit outside of his normal assumptions. So many of us walk through the world and anything which doesn't fit the way we want to see the world, we simply don't see. He's got eyes. He has eyes, but he has a, has a deep honesty. And because of that, he looks at himself and he says, actually, I know exactly who I am. And I'm not the guy that you want, God. You need the superhero. You need, you know, the, the redeemer. That's not me, God. And, and what God essentially responds to him and says, no, what I need is you because you know who you are. Because what's going to come through you, Moshe, is so big. First, the redemption. And then the Torah is that I can't have you getting in the way. You need to be able to be my vessel in the world. And because of that, you need to be full of exactly what you are and not one ounce but, more. But, but there's, a steer, there's, a, there's a conflict in what you're saying. What's that? Which is, if you're such a vessel, then be the vessel. But he, but he, but he's a pushback vessel. Yeah. Right? Well, he, he's not. He's not. He's not totally vesselly. He's kind of like. No, he's not an empty vessel. Right. He's just not over full of himself. Well, let's let's see it actually in the verses. Moshe el haElokim. Moshe says to the God, "Mi anochi? Who am I? Ki paro that I should go to Pharaoh v'chiyotzi abni Israel miMitzrayim that I should take out the children of Israel from Egypt." So God says to him. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to give you signs. And that sign is, is that you're going to serve me on this mountain. And he keeps trying to, he keeps trying. Then, then Moses will say to him, well, how will they know? Who should I, who exactly should I say sent me? And he says, tell him, uh, I will be that which I will be. Uh, tell them, I will be sent you. So that's another one of the names of God, right? Yes. And then finally, there's one more level, which is there, he's like, you know, uh, how will how will how will I stand in front of Pharaoh? So he gives him these signs. Mm-hmm. The, the chuck down the 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 staff. The staff a snake. The staff becomes a python snake. You or know? water becomes blood. Well, the second one is first. It's the snake. Then it's the hand in the coat. And the water. The blood is the third. The blood is the third. The blood is the third. Right. He sticks the hand in the coat. He puts. He pulls it out, and it is white, and it is uh, mitzora. It is. Uh, it has leprous. Leprous. Right. Uh, and then the last one is he, is he takes the, the blood and yep. he's, he spills it. He takes the blood. He takes water, spills it on the ground, and it, and it becomes blood. These are the signs. Just very quickly, three signs that can mean one thing is you can make a snake into a stick, right? 
a, sna- a stick into a snake. Or here's what it really means. It says, maybe, it says, he says, God says to him, you see that snake? Now grab it by the tail. Are you supposed to grab a snake by the tail? No, you grab no, it behind the head. by the head. Grab it by the tail. You will control Egypt. You will control Egypt. Egypt is the snake. It is, it is the, 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 this water going, you know, alligator creature. creature. You can control it. He says, but maybe, maybe uh, Moses will say to God, but the Jewish people, they're already all messed up. They're in the 49th level. Of impurity. Of impurity. He says, look, put your hand in. You see your hand is impure. Now stick it back in. Boom. I could make it. I could heal him. I could make it pure. But, but will they really follow me? And then he says to him, you see this water? It could turn into blood. What could that mean? I struggled with this for a long time. What could the blood turning to water mean? So here's my thought, okay? Okay. The Nile covered up the infanticide, the murder of these babies. And it's got this clear water. It's like, he, you see this? The blood will be seen. There will be revenge. They will, the world will know the truth well, of I mean, what they did. That is much of what the story is about. God says repeatedly as we move forward, we'll speak about it in the coming weeks, that what I'm doing now is in order that they know. Right? And um, it's, a, it's a very important thing. I think about it often as we return to this point in the story in particular, is that you know, like my, my kids ask me sometimes, well, like, why are we reading the same story again? Why are we reading the same story? And, and the answer is because knowing is not a point of information. We don't read this story because you need to know that this happened. We read this story because it needs to be the way in which we know the world. Mm. We need to know the world through the lens that God intervenes in the world because he didn't create creation and walk away and say, good luck, folks. Right? And, and, and we live in a time, I think, where, where it's easier to understand that than perhaps it's been for the last 3,000 years because look where we're sitting. You know, if, if, if we had gone back to your image of your wife's grandfather who got married at the rapid fire wedding in the DP camps, if you had asked him whether God intervened in the world, it might have been a tough sell. It might have been a tough sell. But here, 70 years later, it's a tough sell in my mind to say that it doesn't. Right. And so th- this is a way in which we can read this story, and it isn't just something we, that we know. It's the way in which we know the world. And that's what's happening here. That's a that type of transformation. Oh, oh, you think this is water. You think you know what you're looking at? I'm going to show you what it really is. And then it's not just the water changes back and forth, but now you know something more important, which is that things are not as they appear. That's the real lesson that I hear there. <sighs> yes, Moses is... Um I still don't quite understand why, why he gives God such a hard time. I, st- I still don't understand that. Is it, but, and, but we do know there is a clue. The clue is this is the most humble man who ever walked the earth, the most humble man. And, and it's important to, to define that word properly because with all due respect to our Christian brothers and sisters, there's a cultural gap between the definition that the Torah offers of humility and that which Western society does. Humility is not loneliness. In Hebrew, loneliness is, is, is shvalruach. Right? To be lowly is its own value, perhaps. To be humble is to be exactly what you are. Not one ounce more, but also not one ounce less. Right. And it's really in this moment that God teaches it to Moshe. Because Moshe is perfectly prepared to be less than what he is. Or, or not to be more than what he is. But God's telling him, okay, you don't be more than what you are, but you also aren't allowed to be less. And this is why he's calling him to his greatness. Also, we learned that Moses is, uh, he says about himself that he's heavy of speech. Right. He's heavy of speech. And God says, no problem. I've got the answer. I know somebody who's the buried the bear. I know somebody who's a talker. And that is Aaron, your brother. And he's going to be glad. Glad to see you. He's going to be glad. And then we're going to see later that he's going to be actually glad to see him uh, in the desert. And when he tells him everything, he's, and this is, a, this is also a mark of humility, which is like he's not jealous of his brother. Quite the opposite. It, it, this is such an important moment. This moment, it's by the way, it's the only second use of the word samach in the entire Torah. The first one is in regards to Levant. So there's a, there's a question there whether one can really, um, really rely on that as real simcha, as real joy. But this is a moment in which all of the family conflicts which have dominated the Sefer of Breshid, of Genesis. I mean, the, the whole book, as a couple of my students pointed out to me last week, is like a, what not to do for parents, you know, sadly. <laughs> I mean, in the brother conflict, we just ended with this epic three, four parsha story of, of brotherly conflict. And here, the first union between these brothers comes through the fact that, that God says, oh, you think your brother will be jealous if I make you the prophet? You, you don't understand your brother. He's going to see you. He's going to be overjoyed. And this is such a beautiful fixing for so many of the challenges of the book of Genesis. Hey, Amen. We should really feel that in our lives. Jealousy is one of the most destructive 
uh, of feelings, and it's so wrong. One of the things that really cures jealousy is a really understanding that God directs every single one of us on our pathway. Yeah, it's a, it's a feeling of abundance. That, that what one other person has does not mean I have to have less. Right. Uh, and just my, my personal thing is, uh, I, I, like to, I like to add to people, I don't believe that, that, that Moses was a stutterer. I don't, I don't think so. I think that he was heavy. I'm heavy of speech. He was quite heavy. He, t- he talks heavy. He talks straight to you. He, doesn't he says it like it is. Says it like it is, and it's off-putting, as, yeah. opposed, to, as opposed to the talker, who's more th- and we know about, 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 uh, about Aaron that he's a diplomat. Yes. He's a peacemaker. Yes. He's a peacemaker, even, even to his detriment at some points. But he's a, he's a, but he's a we'll peacemaker. We'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get to it. But that's what he is, essentially, is a peacemaker and, and a diplomat, and he's a talker. You know, there's a real challenge in this. I mean, many people will say that, that Moshe is Ish Emet and Aaron is Shalom. That Moshe is the person of truth right. and Aaron is the person of peace. Right. And from this, we see a widespread discussion in, in the sort of broader sense of Torah of whether peace and truth can coexist. It's really not so simple. On one hand, I feel like that where we are today as a people, there are certain truths that need to be said to the world. Right. There are certain truths that need to be said about our history. There are certain truths that need to be said about the nature of what justice is in the world. At the same time, I don't think that that's what's going to produce peace. I think that's something we need to do as a people in order that we can come to the place where we can say, fine, you want to see it that way? That's fine. I don't really care. Let's, let's put things back together. But we're not at the stage of peace today. I think it's, it's a mistake to pursue peace right now, I think right now what needs to be pursued is justice, even though I know that, that that comes at quite a price. If you think about it, it might be really a difference between conservatism and liberalism on, on some level. Conservatism is a more like truth doctrine. Here's the past. Here's what we should be doing. This is, you know, we, should, uh, we shouldn't be kind of over, um, you know, if liberalism is, is marked sometimes with uh, too much liberalism, too much liberty oh, to things, too much... Almost an over-idealistic... Right, a, a kind of naivete and, and, and a granting of, uh, you know, uh, giving. It's really a giving type of, type of idea. And almost wishful thinking in times. Right, as opposed to kind of a more, the, the truth is, I earned this capitalism. Let's call conservatism. Let's mark, you know, equate that with capitalism. It's like, I earned this money. Uh, this is my fence. Good fences make good neighbors. Right, it's but like, the extreme version of the conservative is just a complete inflexibility and unwillingness to see other. Right. So, meaning each one has its, um, what we call kill cool. It has its sort of debased form. And, and what I'm thinking about is the question of what are we called to right now? Ultimately, the world is meant to head toward peace. Ultimately, the world is, is meant that, is to that shalom. Right? Is that right? Yes. Or, or is it, meant to head isn't toward it, shalom. Isn't yes, it ultimately, 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 it's more towards Emet, which is... Which is no. No, no, for sure not. This is not the world of truth. I'm this saying, but in the end of time... That's, uh, well, that's the, it, I mean, that's the next world. But this world is, is a world of, of peace. But I don't believe that we can get there without justice coming to the fore first. Right. Uh, yeah, there's an interplay between those two things. And even in the Psalms, it says, uh, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a verse there about, about these things coexisting, about, about co- the coexistence of, of uh, emet and shalom. Uh, I actually made rings like that for my for my wife uh, with that verse. Chesed v'emet nivkashot tzedek v'shalom nashaku. Right. Tzedek is like emet, right? It's like justice and shalom. They like kissed. They embraced. Uh, yeah, there's a there's definitely a tension like that. Uh, by the way, interestingly enough, I read in the Chalban last week that th- that's the difference also between Joseph and Jacob in terms of burial. Jacob was like, I cannot be buried here. I need to be buried in the land of Israel. I need to be the, the truth, um, um, the model of truth. The truth is we belong in Eretz Israel. But Joseph, who's more uh, uh, with the people. He's a connector. Right, a connector is like going to be down with the people, even though it's not in a, a level of truth, but it's in a, a level of shalom. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be embracing you. And yet it's ultimately he that keeps that connection alive that brings the people back. Right, but without having the 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 absolutism uh, of right, saying this uh, is really where we belong. right and we got to go to tomorrow to Machpelah and that's where we absolutely it, yep. they have to they interplay they interplay well, for sure and not only that but even look at our bodies I don't know if this has anything to do with it but just just I was just looking at you and then thought I thought to myself our skeletons are these hard things and they stay even behind us after we're dead but but the flesh around it which is this constantly moving supple thing soft and and and, and flexible and not therefore rigid. expressive right right without 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 those bones right expressive that's a that's a very deep that's very beautiful what you just said really that the face is through its through its uh have you ever read any levinas French yes Jewish yes philosopher? yes i did i had to read it in in class yeah for uh, so it's very important 
it's a it is very important thought in terms of the role that the face plays in seeing the uh the tel melokim the divine image in other right but you still need the bones right well, the without bones. the bones you you'd just be a jellyfish yes you meaning there needs to be some structure on which this sort of uh sort of supple expressiveness can actually rest without it it's simply mush wow Okay, folks, we just got a little <laughs> deep there. Uh, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show. Rabbi Mike Foyer joins me back from England. Missed you there for two weeks, and we're in the book of Shmot. We're in the book of uh, Exodus, Movement of Chapipal. All right, and we're in, uh, we're in um, uh, chapter three of the book of Exodus. Um, and God is still giving him the full vision. Still, still giving Moses the full vision of what it's going to look like. And you know, it's going to be awesome, God says, you know. And, and tell, uh, tell the king of Egypt that you want to leave. And, uh, and then when you do leave, I'm going to give the, the, the you, I'm gonna, you're going to request of the Egyptians clothing and gold. They're going to they're give it to you and you're going to leave. Right. And that way you're going to also empty out Egypt. Um, so there's this whole big vision. He's giving him the full enchilada of what, where it's all going to go. Right. In a manner of speaking. Right. Um, I, I, yes, but, you know, I want to come back to something that we kind of skipped over. That question that Moshe says, who shall I tell them sent me? Right. You know, it's it's fascinating that that name, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, right, I will be that which I will be. <laughs> That's like the ultimate of like, don't, 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 don't try to figure me out. I will be that well, which I will be, it's, right? It's a name which can only be said in the first person. Right. Right. So so and, and we see that Moshe never tells it to them. Right. And yet if we had Although more we do sing it, we do have songs like like on Yom Kippur, I think in the Yom Kippur Shmonesra and it's like hey, yeah, sure yeah, the they, Chazan does that. The, you know, it remains a name of God and, and if we had more time together I could show you a couple of key places in the Hebrew Bible in the Tanakh where it reappears but it's always spoken by God, of course, because it's in the first person. And, and, and it begs this question of what is the process that Moshe himself has to undergo in order to become the Redeemer who not only brings the people out of Egypt but brings the Torah down from God to humanity. It's it, this, this ability to say God in the first person, to find that place within himself where he is truly expressive of not his own will or not his understanding of God's will, but God's will itself is a, is a phenomenal accomplishment. And God reveals about himself a lot also. It must, he must so. He must he, so. Right, that face to face. Right, like you have to be right. <laughs> this this accomplishment of 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 seeing God face to face, but he also reveals to us in this text. Uh, Moses says to him, "You know, send somebody else. I'm not a man of words." This is my one of my favorite verses. He says, "Misam pel adam, who made the mouth of man?" Like to me, this would be like a self. Like I, I like how, what what else needs to be said? That's why I, I struggle sometimes with how long this argument is. Because like God could be like, listen, I created you. What do you want? Me some peladam who made a mouth to to the man. Me assume ilem or chiresh. Who who makes a, a dumb or 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 deaf uh, or blind person? It's me. Like I I do all that. Right. I will take care of it. But one thing God can't do in this, as it were. He can't decide to go. Right. What, he, what, what God wants from Moshe here, and that's why I believe that what's underlying this is really the power of redemption. Right? You know the old joke, how many psychiatrists or psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the, the real changes in life happen when we desire that they happen. Because what God does not want here is a mechanistic universe. Right. Right, you might think that oh gosh, the world kind of went off the rails somehow again. By the way, read 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 Genesis. Oh, I have to fix it. God becomes the fix it man. It's not what God wants. God wants a new consciousness to be born in the world through the desire that we do His will of our own will, and that's why it begins with Moshe. That's why God bothers to negotiate. You know what? I I think I buy it. I think I can buy that. I think what you're saying is very good. You're saying you you got to want it. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. Like you, like right. God uh, can't. Like He says, like I made. The mute, I made the deaf. I could bring the people out of Egypt on my own. Thank you very much. Right. But you don't get what's going on here, Moshe. I want you to do it. And I don't right. just want you to do it. I want you to want to do it. And ultimately, Moshe does come to this. And I want you to tell the king of Egypt also, B'ni Bechor Israel. Yes. My, my firstborn son is Israel. So this, to me, is one of the most important verses in the Torah. And it really, I think, illuminates what I'm speaking about. Because, you know, I celebrate two birthdays every year. I don't know, not just the Hebrew and English, the slave date in the in the Jewish calendar. Aliyah? The, no, not that one either. Although I could add Chuva, three. The Chuva date? No, no. 
the day that my first daughter was born, uh-huh. my first child. Uh-huh. Why? Because that's the day on which I became a father. And that's something I can't do for myself. That's something, in a sense, that my wife, of course, and my daughter did for me. Right? I could call myself a father. I can walk around and I could be Father Mike or whatever it is. And until I have children, it's just something inside my head. But once you have a child, you have fundamentally changed. And this is what God is saying. Is there is some aspect of my divinity, so to speak, which cannot be expressed in the world without Am Yisrael. B'ni b'chori Yisrael. I am now ready to be that in the world because you are ready to be that. Ein melech b'loam. Yes. There's no nation without, 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 there's no king without a nation. Uh, and that's interesting what you're saying because also the name of Israel is going to be inter- interchanged here. There's going to be one point where they speak to to Pharaoh and they're like, the God of Israel. So he's like, I never heard of that. Who's this guy you're speaking about? Sorry, never heard of that. But then they'll be like the God of the Hebrews. They'll switch back to the old way of how how Egypt understood the the, the Semitic clan yes. that is the Hebrew people. As opposed to the, the theological and tribal, it's like, okay. And I'm, the I'm, familial, personal. Right. Yeah, so there's the, and by the way, you can do incredible analysis of the names and the terminology used here in reference to God and Am Yisrael, um, which, you know, like everyone has their perspective on it. The biblical critical does its own thing. But I think that what you're picking up on is is the very many-layered nature of what it is to be Am Yisrael in the world. That's interesting you say that. Uh, I definitely think that there are main th- three main names to Israel. Uh, I think that the, the one name is Hebrew. To me, that's the name of, of the uh, genetic or ethnic. Sure, the ethnicity. The sure. ethnicity is Hebrew. Uh, the cultural, linguistic, um, and and just all informational, all our behavior patterns, all that, that's called Yehudi. That's, we p- behave Jewishly, you know, it's Jewish, it's Yiddishkeit. Right. Right? And Yisrael is our tribal, political... Uh, and ideal, visionary. And ideal, right. And, and also super. That's like our super and The visionary. Power. Right. That's like the... And, but it only happens usually when we're in the land of Israel or when we're united. It's like a united, moving people... When we're, that's when we're Israel. When we're, when well, we're listen, separated, we're Jews. It was not a small thing that the Zionists chose to call this country Israel and it's not huge. Judea. Yeah, that's right. It's huge. Exactly. It's not Judea. It's Israel. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, and, and, and here I sometimes, dis- uh, with great humility, disagree with some of the Parshanim. To me, the, the name uh, Shindalad Yud, right? S-H-A-D-D-A-I. That name represents fertility. And almost at every juncture that you see that word, it is almost always to do with. So, in what sense are you disagreeing? Because with the they say they because they say it's it's like one of the powerful a god of power, the, the god that said enough should die. Well, there's and two things in the midrash. That only that first half is what usually people say. Right, Misha Amar Olam die die right, which means enough. But the, the other half of that midrash that they're quoting refers to it as shadi, which is to throw something out. Like if you were holding the end of a, a spool of string right. and you threw it out there, which is exactly what you're speaking about. It's this sort of um, procreative, um, abundant name of God. I, I mean, almost always when you see that the, the, the SH name, it always, always has to do with you should be fruitful, multiply type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and also the name itself kind of hints it to you that it's, that it's related to breasts, yes, which, which relates to mother's milk. Uh, as opposed to, and the rest is the big names are, you know, Elohim, which is which is the kind of god of judgment, the god of nature, the god of, uh, of I, the powers of the world, right? The powers of the world, the, right? The the godly powers that the world is is endowed with, and then there is Yudkevavke, the tetragram, the tetragrammaton, which is which is really the name of which is bigger than the world. Its name right. holds the world. Right. That's where we say God is the place of the world and not the world the place of one God. One of my favorite expressions. I like it in Hebrew. Who mekomo shel olam ve'en olam mekomo. I love right. that one. So why Spinoza he, was half right. In what sense? Well, because he was a pantheist. So he understood one half. He only understood really one name of God. Um, and he didn't understand the fact that, that you know, what's, what bothered Spinoza was he didn't want to have a world. He believed, he believed in God. He was not an atheist. He was a pantheist. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to have a world in which God was a product of superstition. Right? So he believed in the power of reason. But I think Spinoza, like many of the philosophers of the Enlightenment, which he preceded but really gave birth to, um, were unwilling to live in a world which they couldn't comprehend. They, they, they didn't, didn't appreciate the fact that the human mind is a product of that Shem Elohim, that, that world God. But there, there's a much larger context holding us 
which the mind cannot grasp. Let me ask you a question that I've been grappling with recently. Uh-huh. I'm gonna. <laughs> this is out of left field, but is God and Torah two separate things, or is it one thing? Did you say God in Torah and God? No, God in. and God so, and Torah are these two. Are these two separate concepts? I'm guessing you're familiar with the statement of the Zohar that says that God, Torah, and Israel are one. Right. right? Okay. So I would say but, but that, that. But that. But that's. But that's in effect. I mean, say in effect in this world, they are. They work as one. One so unit. So if one accepts the fact that the Torah we hold in our hands is that which we can grasp and not its wholeness, so then I would say that that God and Torah could be one. Right, but you have to remember that 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 what Moshe brought down from Sinai was that which we could receive, and even then, we've been chewing on it for three thousand and a right. half years. Right, but some people say you can't really fathom the Torah. Of course not, because that's why that if you, particularly in Chassidut, but also in much earlier sources, there's something which is known as the Torah Kaduma, the primordial Torah, right. that which the Midrash says God looked into the world and looked into the Torah and created the world. Right, but the Torah becomes the ultimate manifestation of God. It's not the one and the same because I wouldn't lie to me. I don't want to, you know, even open my mouth to say that I know what God is or that God is even, even comprehensible or, or definable in our terminology. But, but the, but the, that's why the Torah is infinite. There's also a phrase that God says, I wish that they would forget me, but keep my Torah. Right, but that's a very pragmatic love for us that, that, okay, so you know, you forget me, you don't understand, stick with the Torah. It'll, it'll bring you back around to me. I'll, t- I'll tell you why this, this, the, the, where, I, where this came in my head, because I was trying to, I always, um, when I look at Israel, the state of Israel, the, and the people of Israel, and the land of Israel, I think to myself, there's the land, there's the society, the Hebrew Jewish Israel society, mm-hmm. and then there's the God above. But then I was like, no, there's, there's the land, the people who live by the rules of Torah, another category, and the God above. And I wasn't sure if they were three things or four things. So I encourage you to think of them as nested. Remember, um, uh, what are those dolls called? The little, you speak Russian, though you could probably say it properly. Matryoshka. Yeah, like the nested the dolls. The dolls. Right? Yeah. So, so, so I would... I never heard of it called the nested dolls. You mean the grandma within a grandma. Right, they're nested. Yes, yes. Right? They, you know, and, and so I would encourage you to think of it in that sense. But the key is that God is both the innermost and the outermost layer. Right? I mean, whereas if you actually point to God, you know, ask children to point to God... So they'll usually do one of two things, point up or point at their heart. And both are true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's because in the end of the day, there really is nothing else other than his desire that we be. Okay. So Rabbi Back Mike, yeah, so, so check this out. We went from the forefathers, then the, the underground birth of Moses, uh, his miraculous survival, his meeting of his wife, we didn't talk about it so much, but at the well, uh, when he rescues the Midianite, the 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 Midianite uh, women sisters, and my hero, you know, like the right. whole thing, and and meanwhile, and Jethro's like, "Why did you leave him at the well? I've got seven daughters." That's right, <laughs> seven daughters. Okay, so uh, you know, Jethro. We also meet Jethro, by the way, which we're going to meet again in a very important circumstance. Right, very. And and and, and by the way, Jethro's got a great line. He says, "Lech shalom." He says, "Go." When Moses is like, "Listen, I got to take." Your daughter and your grandchildren, my sons, we got to go back down to Egypt, and I'm a wanted man there, and my people are enslaved, and I'm going to start a revolution, you know? He's like, go in peace, brother. <laughs> Yalla. Bahatzlacha. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting father-in-law, and the verse is there in the Bible to yes. tell you, like, this is not a usual man. Yes, no, no. And he's also the first person to say Baruch Hashem. Right. Later when they get out. Right. That's right. Lech shalom. He says, go in peace, brother. Right. Uh, amazing man. But anyway, so, so far, oh, and we had the great encounter between God and man, great revelation of the burning bush, great vision for the story, and everything is just kind of honky-dory. We're on a roll. Right, we're on a roll. Moses is heading down to, uh, to, uh, down to Egypt to do his bidding. God sends an angel to almost kill his son. What's that about? What's that about there? I mean, it's first of all, it, it, this is one of the sort of wackier and least comprehensible little sort of stories in the And yet the Torah. it's it's right there, isn't it? Oh no, it is right there. There's no question, yeah. but but even as you look in the flow of the narrative, it jumps out of you as saying, Wait, "What?" Up until now, a fourth grader could have read this and they might have missed right. the depth, but we're we're fine. We're reading we're the following. story. We're following. We're following. And then suddenly it's like the 
bloody bridegroom and uh, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And they, they were at the hotel. They were at the sleeping place. Right. And suddenly the Lord met them and, uh, and, he, and he seeks to kill his son. And it's fascinating to me even in the structural presentation of the verse of the Torah that there's no break. It's presented as a continuity with the mission on which he's been sent. Right. I, the way I've always understood this is that the central issue here is circumcision. That's without question. The, the, um, right, um, this is, in fact, brought as a proof in the classical text that a woman can be a mohelet, that a woman can actually serve in the role of, uh, of a formal ritual circumciser. Ritual circumciser. Right. Um, so to me, it, it, it goes to the depth of, um, of what a brit is, what a covenant is. That the, uh, the, the covenant is not just a contract and it's not just um a simple agreement it's an absolute dedication one to the other to the point of death i mean you have sons right and if anyone listening has has never actually been at a circumcision it is a brutal process yeah not as brutal as birth which is even even more true kind of that's yeah. not not a chosen process I mean, meaning right. you might choose to get pregnant but right. once you're pregnant there's only birth or god forbid tragedy right, right? um so, but but the but I think again, consistent with what God wants of Moshe, that God could make Moshe do it. God could bring the Jewish people out of Egypt without Moshe, but He right. wants Moshe to want it. And so, there, this is the ultimate act. And in whether it happens through Moshe or Tzipora, his wife, is is a discussion that's worth having. But the key here is now God says, and now I want you to put this sign in your flesh. You forgot about that, Moshe. Right. You can't. This, we can't go. Remember Avraham. You can't. You can't go down to Egypt to rescue the Jewish people without putting. A you can't go anywhere anymore. Once I've once I've called to you and you. You've devoted yourself to me. You must carry the sign in your flesh, you and got, it needs you, to be now. Right? You got to look tomorrow. like a, you got to look like a Jew. You got to right. be one of them. For no more walking all. like an Egyptian. Right. That's that's a great way of understanding it. Here's here's another thought, which is, remember when I told you to go rescue my children, and you were like, "No, nah, I'm not the right guy." Else. But you know what? My kids were dying at that time. Ooh. He says. Um, you say to Pharaoh, Say to Pharaoh, my, my firstborn child is Israel. And I told you, Moses, I told you, Send out my children so they should serve me. But you, Moses, now it's a double play. It's usually meant Pharaoh. But in this right. case, no, you, Moses, didn't want to take him out. I will now show you the pain. You will feel it on your flesh. You've got to know what it means to face a Holocaust. You've been living a, a, a happy life, and it was my work that you were in this palace, and then you were with uh, uh, Yitro. And his boy, but and his, I need yeah. you down there now, and you don't feel the pain. You don't feel the pain of my people. This is, a, I think, a very powerful reading, and it answers the question I had, which is why is there no break in the text to offset this? And your answer is because it's meant to be read together with what precedes it right you 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 you, you've got and that's and that's something that sometimes i remember there was a girl in in cardoza law who was half jewish whatever that means i don't remember i I think i think if as i recall correctly her father was jewish her mother was not uh she identified as jewish but she identified as really half jewish really Uh and she was somewhere in between and i she was supposed to come on our birthright trip Mm -hmm. that i was organizing and then something happened in Israel. I don't even remember. And she goes, she says to me, she says she quit, she quit on the birthright trip. And she says to me, uh, she, uh, what do you call it, uh, canceled. Yeah. And she said to, I said to her, why did you cancel? She's like, I don't even know if there's going to be in Israel. And when she said that to me, I thought to myself, this girl's not Jewish. Yeah. In this case, uh, by the yeah, way. Okay, yeah, in, yeah. In this, and I'm not trying to cast. You're just talking about the moment. You were right, generalizing. Right, exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Rabbi Mike, with your great training here in, the, in, in, in liberal institutions. Exactly. Yeah, they right. shacked you for that here. Right. No, but that's <laughs> what I meant. That, but that is what I thought. I thought myself, you, not, not you people. Right. I myself, you, you personally. You're not, you're not there. Because if you don't understand that, that Israel's going to make it through this. There's two pieces there. One of them really, I find the second piece you said, I think, critical and very inspiring. Is that what it is to be a Jew? Is that's what a Brit is? You're you're committed, you're committed, you know. And whether you understand why, or whether it makes sense, or whether you even think it's going to work out well for you, we're in. This is where it's going. The other piece worries me. You know, we're we're in the midst of a drought here. Although, please God, we could be in the midst of it breaking. And and people, if you're praying, pray harder. If you're not praying yet, start praying. Um, but but to me, this this drought that's happening is not just a meteorological phenomenon. It's a theological. It's a theological phenomenon that's connected deeply to what you said is that we don't feel the pain enough. 
just within our own wonderful and very d- complex and difficult country here, we don't appreciate the fact that there are there are so many of our brothers and sisters who live in poverty. There's so many of our brothers and right. sisters who who don't have simply what they need. Forget what they want, um, and it's just too easy. I mean, in Yiddish, is expression yid, right? It's hard to be a Jew. I heard it on the on the Jewish story. Rabbi Mike Foyer's other show here on the Land of Israel Network. So, so it's, I repeat it often at this point because I feel one of the great challenges that we face as a people today is that doesn't have to be true. It doesn't have to. You might not have to feel the pain of what it is to be a Jew, either because you could ignore your brothers and sisters or you could ignore our, the mission that we face as a people or you could sit somewhere across the sea in a place that I used to live and pretend that what's happening here in our homeland doesn't affect you. Right and 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 I very much or value just be the reading to it. or just be apathetic, right? And, and I very much value the reading you're saying here, which is that Moshe, you had very good reasons for being hesitant. You were being honest and and self-effacing, and and every minute you wasted, my children were dying. Right. You need to feel that pain, Moshe. You got to feel that pain. And if you don't feel it, you'll never be the redeemer. That's exactly right. I think that's a lesson for all of us. By the way, uh, you mentioned poverty here in Israel. There's other things. For example, today. This bothers me to no end, and not enough, <laughs> which is uh, there's a tremendous crime wave uh, in the middle of the country in the farm areas yes. of the Jezreel Valleys uh, and Afula in that region of, of like Bedouin and Arab, uh, 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 a, kind of, uh, a kind of crime syndicate that just basically terrorizes and, and steals cows and steals heads of uh, cattle and all this kind of stuff and farmland and and it's just like it, it they're they're they are screaming they're asking for help the same thing in the negev negev is being taken over tremendous i've heard from my friends that live down there you cannot build without paying protection money at this point right to the bedouin right it's so it's so it's totally out of control and and i uh whatever involvement i have in the political sphere i say to them like you want to grab an issue here's an issue yeah here's an issue that people can you know that they really need real help any case, speaking of exactly that, speaking of people that have to pay protection, uh, and I was, we were getting to this, uh, that, that, okay, all right, God, I'm, I'm going to do what you said, and I'm on board, and here I go, and, he, and, and here comes Aaron and Moses, and they do the, um, they stand in front of Pharaoh. The whole let my people go thing. Let my people go. Let's and, not forget uh, the second half of that phrase. Which is what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the great injustice of a wonderful movie with Charlton Heston as Moshe, sure. right, is that every American Jew grew up thinking that the, the message of, of, of Passover, of the Exodus is, let my people go. It's about freedom. But the second half of the phrase is in order that they serve, serve me. In the me. That's right. The message is that we need to be servants to God and, Amen. Not, and not Paro. That's right. Let my people go. So they, that, that, that happens a lot of times in, in American Jewry. They, like, forget a part of it. For example, I'll, I'll never forget... Uh, uh, the the version that they have on Godcast, which is like a they have a version. We've spoken of, about of right, Esther. Of Esther, right? It's like it's like I'm Jewish, I'm strong, and then I'll ask the king to save us, and he'll agree. Or, or what I find the crazy irony of American Jews who celebrate Hanukkah with great joy, not knowing that it's a holiday which is celebrating religious what they would call religious fanaticism. <laughs> I don't mention it because I'd rather they celebrate it. But. In any case, the way this Torah portion ends is that, in fact, Pharaoh says, ain't nothing doing. I'm doubling down. I'm doubling down hardcore. And by the way, that's something, by the way, that's a great lesson for everybody. Don't, everybody should know. Yeah. When you mess with the bad dudes, they, they double they down. They don't back down. They don't back down, just yes. so you know that. When you that's like, how start, they got in power in the first place. Right. That's right. When And when you face the UN and you're like, okay, we're going to be tough against you, like, don't think that they'll be like, oh, right, sorry. Right. It's not like that. It doesn't no. work like that. You got you got to know that when you when you start to face these guys, it's just their, their head is going to rise up. I'm going to double down on that and, and make an argument that that is actually the sign of real evil, because you know we all make bad choices and we all find ourselves in situations where we might even be in abuse of power. But when we're confronted, the question of whether we do a cheshbonefesh, a self accounting, and back down, or whether we say what? No, I'm going to squash you like a bug, is really the difference between what's redeemable and what's not. So there's a lot a of that right now in, in world politics. Oh, there's right now a lot of that where people are just like they're pushing against the bad guys, but the bad guys are coming back. And there's this this moment like like how far are you going to take this? Yes. And, and, and you always think that the advantage or it has been for the last many decades, the advantage has been to the bad guys that they'll that they'll take it further. It doesn't it won't stay that way. 
We have a promise. Well, that's true. You're right. But it really takes people. It takes a Maccabee. It takes a Ben Gurion. It, it takes, takes someone who wants to make it happen. As we saw in this right. project, God could do it without us. But right. it's not the goal. Right. It takes a Churchill, that yeah. type of thing. Like it yeah. takes somebody who's I saw a Dunkirk on the plane on the way home. Was it good? Phenomenal. Oh my gosh, really? Very, well, I mean, like, as a movie, it was just a little bit slow, but the story is so powerful. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll definitely watch that. I'll definitely watch that. In any case, just let's finish off. The evil doubles down, and basically, what 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 Pharaoh says is that you're gonna make those bricks, but I'm taking away the stuff of the bricks, right? I'm not giving you the the fodder for the bricks. Which is a weird thing, right? Yes. Like make the stuff, but without the stuff, go right. figure it out on your own. What, what kind of? That's a weird punishment. One thing is like, I'll kill more more of you. I'll like make the stuff, but without the stuff. You want to have a god here? I think part of it has to do with the depth of slavery that we're dealing with. I mean, don't forget that to this very day, many of the things that we do, many of the commandments that we perform, and the and the services, acts of service to God, we do are as an act of remembrance of Egypt. We're playing this out 3,500 years ago because we, God didn't just save us from Egypt, right? He didn't just take us out of Egypt. He, he redeemed us from the house of slavery. As we say on Seder night, right, we could still be stuck in Egypt, not sociopolitically, but, but psychoemotionally. Mm-hmm. And this is what power had so much power over the Jews. He said, now I'm not even going to give you the materials to be slaves. You must go find your own materials and be slaves on your own initiative. Wow. It, it, it's a deepening of what's happening. That's and, deep. And, and this is why, well, I guess we'll speak about it next week, that Moshe doesn't get it. He turns to God and says, Lama Hariota, like you what, why have you why have made you, things worse. Yes, see what I told you? Right. I was not going to do a good job. I, yeah. this, is, I, this is not the right thing. And, you know, uh, recently, uh, Rav Arush, Rav Shalom Arush, was, was in our town in Efrat, and he spoke great stuff. And he, he said something which moved my wife and I very much. He said, a lot of us think, God, you got to do tshuva. You've got you've to make repent. up for this. And you didn't, make yeah, you, that, didn't, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't do right by me. Right. You got to do tshuva for what you've done to me. And, and in a sense, this is, this, this is, you know, Moses is like, I don't get your game. Yes. Uh, and God says, and God says, to him, and he's going to be punished for for this. For these well, we'll phrases. speak about it next week. Right. It's the critical but, opening of next week's part. Right. But, but, but he is, um, but God says to him, uh, now you'll see. Yeah. Now you're going to see Asher Pharaoh. You'll see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. In a strong hand, he will send them out. And he'll send, and he'll he himself noticed the same thing. Right. I could do it without Pharaoh, but he's going to send them out. He's going to want them to leave. It's really the theme of the Pasha. You've got to want it. You gotta want it. All right, that's I, I, that's the name of the show. Is that the name of the show? You gotta want it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember that. All right, folks, uh, Rabbi Mike, it's great to see you again, and uh, and it's great to be uh, elucidating and, and understanding better uh, together this this fabulous tour portion. Um, I'm excited for the Book of Shemot. I'm Me excited too. for the Mishkan this year. Oh, I'm excited for the pieces of the Mishkan. I'm yes. excited for. For, for for seeing it being built, I'm excited for the service of God through, and that happens in this book. We're gonna be we're gonna be, right. this is gonna be the first book of commandments, of stuff. That's right. Of law, of 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 that stuff which is the stuff of Judaism and of peoplehood. Right, peoplehood. But we already already started on the road of peoplehood. I'm saying, but but okay, you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the brothers and all that. But now we're gonna get stuff, <laughs> and we didn't have any stuff before. We didn't have any swag. We didn't have swag to service of God. So. Maybe swag for the service of God. No, we'll keep that for for later. What, for Truman. What, 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 what's the name of the show? What did you say? Uh, you gotta want it. You gotta want it. That's exactly right. Okay, folks. I also want to thank uh, Rabbi Mike. Sure, I want to thank Pardis uh, Institute here for hosting us. Um, I also want to thank the good people at Trelit. Have you gotten your Trelit yet? Have you? Are you still? Are you sporting the blue string? Are you a true blue Jew, uh, or are you a Jubu? You know what Jubus are? Jewish yes. Buddhists, of course. That's a term from the '60s. Uh, uh, Jubu's what? What are you? What, what are you thinking? Now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take those deep thoughts of Jubuness and we're gonna move it over to being a true blue Jew. Uh, our good friends at uh, J Brick making amazing Lego pieces. Now I'm working very hard with Yitzi to make a Marat Machpelah set. Okay, is that gonna Ooh, be awesome? Awesome. Is that gonna be awesome? Everybody's gotta have a Marat Machpelah set uh, in your house. That's that's the Jewish peoplehood aspect of it. I want to thank the good folks at uh, Janglo Janglo.net. Uh, for um, uh, for providing all the amazing information for living in the land of Israel. I want you to go there. If you, if you have any questions about living in the land of Israel, go to janglo.net, the original 
uh, information highway for Aliyah for living in this land. Uh, and I want to thank the good folks at Hebron uh, Hebron or HebronFund.org. The Hebron Fund is the organization that will bring you to see the mothers and the fathers in Hebron and connect you to building a Jewish Hebron. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank the Land of Israel Network, this fabulous network, which is doing so many great things. Please write me an email, yishai at thelandofisrael.com, or you can visit me on Facebook, Yishai Fleischer, on Twitter, Yishai Fleischer, and etc. you know, LinkedIn and all the rest. Rabbi Mike, you also have a, a way for people to reach you? Yeah, here I can give Rob Mike at thelandofisrael.com, also Rob Mike on Facebook, and robmike.com is up. So you can, you can visit me there as well. I'm excited to see RevMike.com. Maybe RevMike.com and MishaiFleischer.com can, can cross-link. Can, yeah, can, can, can take a walk together. God bless you folks wherever you are. Let's get into this new book of Exodus and let, and let us really want it. You know, we've got to really, really want it. And we've got to also feel the love for the other and feel the pain of the other. And that way the world will be a better place. We'll have both peace and justice, and they'll link up somewhere down the line. God bless you folks wherever you are. Stay tuned, stay strong. Shalom, and be strong wherever you are. Kisses from the land of Israel. <laughs>